this is Della Rucker of the Wise Economy Workshop podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I'm very excited about the interview that I get to share with you because it's with two gentlemen that I think are really remaking how we do economic development in this country, and they're doing it in a place where you probably didn't expect that to happen. Clinton County, Ohio, whose county seat is the city of Wilmington, experienced one of the biggest economic dislocations of the recent recession when DHL, the international package carrier, abruptly pulled out of the city in 2008. When DHL did that, over 9,000 people in the region lost their jobs. And this happened in a region where jobs are not all that easy to come by. For Clinton County, for Wilmington, and for the region, this was an extraordinarily tough blow. And you'll hear these two gentlemen refer to this as an economic disaster, and it truly was for this community. But in the face of that, these two gentlemen and a small group of folks in Wilmington and Clinton County who figured out that there was something more that needed to be done took an interesting and innovative approach. And they looked at economic development and economic development issues in Clinton County from a whole different perspective. Instead of immediately going out and trying to recruit anything that they could get, Clinton County instead took a big step back. They looked at their leakages. They looked at how to, first of all, keep more of their money within the county. And they looked at how to build the robustness and resilience of their immediate local economy. This is a very different approach, and it includes a very wide variety of tactics that range everywhere from buying local to keeping and retaining young professionals to energy efficiency. And it took me a long time to really understand why Clinton County Regional Planning Commission and Energize Clinton County, how they were working together, how they were incorporating all of these different aspects. So I hope that you'll be able to make sense of this situation more quickly than I did. And clearly people are starting to make a good deal of sense out of this. The Energize Clinton County, Clinton County Regional Planning Commission Partnership just last week won an American Planning Association National Planning Achievement Award for innovation in economic planning and development. So if you think that kind of thing can't happen in your community, it's time to think again. I'm delighted to introduce you to Chris Schock and Taylor Stuckert. Chris Schock and Taylor Stuckert, thank you so much for spending the time with me today. This is a conversation that I really wanted folks to be able to hear, and it's a great opportunity. I'm really, really excited to get a chance to share your story with the folks who listen to this podcast. So, Chris, you're the executive director of the Clinton County Regional Planning Commission. And Taylor, you're the co-director of Energize Clinton County, Mm -hmm. which is a nonprofit that works with the Regional Planning Commission to basically do the things that the community needs that the Regional Planning Commission on its own might not really have the right structure to take on. Well, Chris, why don't you give us a little bit of background on how the Regional Planning Commission sort of ended up spawning, for lack of a better word, Energize Clinton County and kind of how that all got started. Sure. And thanks, Stella. Thanks for having us and for focusing on our projects. We're really proud that over the past um, five years or so, since 2008, the Planning Commission has you know, tried consciously to look at planning as a kind of multifaceted effort. And dealing with the situation that we were dealing with in Wilmington and in Clinton County specifically, 
with a large kind of economic disaster related to a company, DHL, pulling out of the Wilmington Air Park in 2008 and facing one of Ohio's largest um, kind of employment dislocations, we had to kind of be creative about how we were going to address that problem. And one way that you know, that we're trying to address it was to create um, a series of community economic development programs that targeted basically different leaks or strategies in the community that we had kind of acknowledged, which, you know, in the heyday of growth in the county, the leaks, of course, were still there, but they kind of are washed away or kind of not very noticeable. But And, and you mean leaks here as in, like, leaks from a hole in the bucket? Exactly. So leakage, you know, in the, in the traditional economic sense, we're talking about leakage of dollars, leakage of economic activity out of the community. Exactly. And in a growing community, you know, sometimes the loss of that multiplier is, is not always recognized as, as a missed opportunity because there's all this other inputs kind of coming in. But especially when you're facing an economic disaster, you know, our efforts kind of acknowledge that we need to focus on looking at those leaks, acknowledging what they are, and then trying to proactively plug them with projects and programs that we thought would make an impact and help retain those resources and that multiplier within the community. So basically, since that time, we've we've tried to tackle five strategic leaks that we've acknowledged. And I think any community could go out and do some analysis and some thought, you know, what leaks they have within their community and kind of come up with a whole different set. But um, for us, it was kind of these five areas that we thought were important. Okay. You want to talk about what the five areas were, Taylor? Sure. Well, I guess it originally kind of started with one. When we first started thinking about this issue, uh, I think local energy was really where we began because that was sort of one area in the local economy that we weren't going to dramatically change by producing energy per se locally because we had sort of no infrastructure in place to do that. So that was kind of a low-hanging fruit where we could really begin seeing a dramatic difference uh, either through efforts like energy efficiency or sort of weatherization, developing solar technology in the community. But we also considered things like local businesses, which was something that the Regional Planning Commission was sort of already working on when Energized Clinton County came around. And then we considered local food through the farmer's market was another sort of leakage point that could be addressed and definitely should be addressed in a, uh, an economy that's heavily geared towards agriculture. It's certainly something that we should consider. And we should point out that Wilmington is sort of in the middle of a triangle between Columbus, Dayton, and Cincinnati, Cincinnati. and it's a predominantly rural county Mm -hmm. with Wilmington as its county seat. But agriculture in the region has typically been field crops, right? Corn and soybeans. At one point, it was uh, livestock production in the 70s, but uh, pretty much corn and soy sort of dominate agriculture anymore. Okay. But you saw an opportunity for addressing leakage in terms of the local food market. Absolutely. I mean, as Chris pointed out, when DHL was there, you had so much revenue and wealth sort of being poured into the local economy that a lot of these issues went unnoticed. But once you sort of pulled the mask or the wool off your eyes, these leakages become much more discernible and addressing them has a much larger impact than when you had that sort of large inflow of wealth. So those minor solutions or those those ways that you can marginally improve local food uh, access or the, the strength of local businesses or the amount of energy that is conserved and, and not sort of exported outside the community, those have a, a much larger economic impact post-DHL than maybe they would have been seen prior to DHL leaving. Great. 
So you've got five areas that, that were sort of identified back in the day as the really the opportunity points to be addressed. We talked a little bit about local energy, and that's predominantly in Clinton County. That initiative is predominantly focused around energy efficiency, weatherization, which, you know, we're in enough of a, um, a winter environment that that can end up having a pretty significant impact, both for individuals and increasing the amount of money that they've got available to re-inject into the local economy, but also in terms of helping businesses be more successful. But you, And you've also looked at solar energy as well? Yeah, and the, the focus with that uh, initially, when we first started this initiative was, you know, late 2008, and the sort of the vibe in D.C. and across the country was focused on renewable energy and sort of green technology. And so our, from our viewpoint, we saw Wilmington and Clinton County as having almost zero experience and zero expertise in that field. We had no prior experience working on grants, working with the technology. How do we, how do we even adapt to this kind of innovation? And so even minor projects to us we saw as huge learning opportunities and, and great growth experiences for the community. So the first sort of major one was working on a federal grant to get the city to install a small solar field on one of their city-owned buildings. And they, they won funds to do that. And it was a good learning experience for the city to sort of pass a resolution, uh, understand sort of what is involved in developing a solar field. How do they benefit financially from those renewable energy credits and how do they convert solar solar energy and understand their savings and things like that. And then energy efficiency, it clearly was sort of the low-hanging fruit. And you would often hear talks from experts around the country about just how much money there was to be saved. And we encountered a professor at the University of Dayton, Dr. Kevin Hallinan, who had been working on a project for many years focused on normalization. So not necessarily energy efficiency, but just getting people to use the normal amount of energy and, and sort of understand it. a statistical normal. Right, exactly. So, Just sort of bringing them down to where they should be. So if um, you took a house that was in a weather zone like Wilmington, and uh, from his standpoint, there is a certain sort of uh, economic point at which, you know, the energy usage and the amount of money spent per building per square foot should be. And a lot of places you see are way above that point. And because so, you're dealing with buildings that are, are not adequately insulated or the windows aren't right, very strict. Right, yeah, the or, shell, the windows, or even behavioral changes, so uh, programmable thermostats, mm -hmm. changing uh, lighting, things like that, simple things. And he had a very aggressive data approach to this that he was able to get a ton of gas data from Vectran at one point and do sort of an analysis of the whole Miami Valley. Uh, his eyes were open to the amount of savings that were out there. And he wanted to work with a community that already was sort of looking into this just to kind of understand what the savings could be for residential users, for commercial users. And so that program really opened our eyes to the, the potential savings. And it, it, is, it is substantial. I mean, it's up there with aggregation as far as uh, from a community point, when you get that critical mass, you're talking millions of dollars of money that stays in the local economy that previously was going outside the community. Very cool. Very cool. Now, one, one of the other initiatives that has been going on here, you guys are one of the first that I knew of to do a buy local campaign online. And so not just promoting it and putting up flyers and saying, hey, everybody should buy local, but actually using online methods to make it easier 
for people to buy local. Chris, you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we're really proud that our buy local campaign has gained a lot of traction, especially for a small town. You know, a lot of people said that small towns, rural places won't care about something like a buy local campaign, which is kind of viewed as being more of a of an urban thing or, you know, of a liberal thing. But, you know, the opportunity in Wilmington was to kind of make sure that the resources we do have are being kind of kept within the community. And obviously our campaign has grown significantly and continues to grow year, year over year. We do use a lot of online mechanisms. We maintain, you know, big email marketing databases, which, you know, we touch the by local database you know members on a weekly basis to give them information about events about things going on in the community about specials and things that the local businesses are promoting and we use it too as a touch point for polling and for other information too it, our network of nearly 5000 people is a great way to kind of activate that group um, and, and it's and a real motivated group so for frame of reference, what's the population of Clinton County? It's 42,000. Okay, so 5,000 is a pretty decent piece of that. Population of Wilmington, which is the county seat and which is where the majority, although not all of those businesses, are located, if I, 12, if I recall. 12,000. Is it 12,000? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, that's a pretty substantial piece yeah, of certainly we, that local market. Yeah, and I think um, you know, Heritage Ohio has acknowledged us as one of the most more successful campaigns. and. Heritage the, Ohio being the state main street program mm -hmm. for Ohio. Exactly. And you know, and others, you know, the Ohio Economic Development Association, uh, we won the top three innovation and economic development for 2012. These kind of uh, acknowledgments just show that the campaign has gained a lot of traction. This year, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, in a partnership with our efforts, um, did a study to analyze the impact of Buy Local and found that the campaign does have a significant impact of well over $150,000 a year. That's a direct sales number, not even a multiplier or anything else that was, I think, important to the community, and, and especially at a key time. So fostering mm -hmm. local entrepreneurs is certainly an important piece to any community, but especially ours at this at this juncture. So. And have you seen an increase in entrepreneurship over the last few years? Yeah, I think what we see is that a lot of entrepreneurs take advantage of the programs, and I think there's a mentality about building the brand and the lexicon of buy local you know people talk about it all the time now mm. um you know locally people use the word buy local and it's in the paper it's in the organizations locally and there's a mentality about it and i think building that sometimes it's just even a guilt issue but just building the awareness to the point that people are cognizant about it or thoughtful about buying local is important this past year in 2012 we won a usda grant to further expand our, our effort into six adjacent counties as well in southwest Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so many of those counties are now implementing their own by local campaigns. And the nice thing is their websites and their information is linked to ours. And so we start to talk about the rings of by local in the sense of if you can't find it in our county, perhaps there's a local business in an adjacent county that might benefit from that. And so you start to really expand you know, mm -hmm. an understanding of 
locality outward. Because it's not just about, well, I'm just only going to buy on my block. You know, the idea is that you value entrepreneurialism and you value local businesses, whether they're on your block or down the street or in the next county. But the valuing of them is important. So, And I think one of the things that's been amazing about the Buy Local campaigns um, yours and others across the country, is that it changes the thinking a little bit about how people choose to expend the resources that they have. I now hear people say, I'd rather spend a little bit more to buy something from an independent shop, from a local XYZ, than drive a few miles and theoretically save a couple of bucks. People are more conscious of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's why impressive. that's exactly why, Della, we view it as a planning project, because all of these programs are setting a future foundation for growth. That's the intent. It's no different than if we were doing a master plan for a town that provides you a vision for what that town's going to look like uh, physically in 10 years. What we're doing is setting a foundation for the town to value these these issues better in the future. And so whatever that issue is, and a better understanding and appreciation of the energy multiplier, a better understanding and appreciation of local food and the leakages that happen when every farm is a is a crop production, but then everyone's shopping at a store and buying food imported from Thailand. For another one of the five that we hadn't really talked about is our young professionals aspect. And so we started a program called the Clinton Community Fellows effort where we paired young professionals, we raised money through donations, and then hired young professionals, recent graduates or upperclassmen of, uh, in college, and paired them with businesses that needed their particular skills. And again, leveraging the network of the Buy Local campaign and our connectivity with the businesses, we're able to then network the young professionals with those businesses and root them into the community in a more effective way and give them the experience of understanding what it's like to come back to their maybe hometown, if you will, as a professional. We kind of acknowledge that a lot of young professionals don't fathom coming back to a small town because they don't even know where they would work or how their degree or experience in college Mm -hmm. would translate to a small town. So these are those kind of practical things. And having the network is, is so important. I think the real key is the interconnectivity of the strategies. The fact that the buy local campaign, having a buy local campaign, having that network of, of businesses and of consumers captive is the springboard to then do some of the other projects and that they are symbiotic. They work sure. together in a certain way. Sure. So people understand and become aware of and are more induced to tap the weatherization programs the fellowship programs to all of these other things because you've already used the buy local as a basis for building that that network and that- it also i feel like we've always said that we want to empower people to feel like they're agents of economic change on their own so often times economic development feels so exclusive from the, the broader citizen base and individual citizens don't see how what their role is or how they fit in the discussion of economic development and these are very real accessible and approachable ways that have a, a, a discernible impact uh, for individual citizens to be involved whether it's supporting a local business you know having a more energy efficient home encouraging young people or supporting a program that encourages young people to stay at home build their roots in the community. These are all very real 
opportunities for change and growth and improving quality of life that everyday citizens can participate in. They're, they, they're what drive it. I mean, if we didn't have the 5,000 members of the bi-local network, it wouldn't be as strong as it is with people being involved. So that's a very foundational component of it is that it is geared towards everyday residents and citizens in the community to sort of lead the initiative and drive the, the initiative home. Well, I just think, you know, a lot of it's rooted in our ideas that being change agents and doing those kind of things might be a little bit different than many planning commissions may view their roles. But, you know, from our perspective, we feel that that's been an important part of that setting of the foundation. So a lot, you know, not that I don't respect other planners who are out doing a different set of plans, but in our case, we needed these kind of plans for this kind of community change that's important at the time. So. Well, and it was a moment in time, as we always say. It was a very timely thing because what sort of prompted all this, especially for Mark and myself, was the fact that when DHL left, there was a very strong sense of energy in the community, restless energy of people saying, what is going on with this community? Why do we feel like we have no involvement? What can we do? And people really wanted to do whatever they could. And I think that was sort of an eye-opener, is that when people feel like they've lost control of their economy, of their community, they feel like they're not the decision-makers in the fate of the community. When you have a company that comes in and says, we're leaving, and the news media says, well, your town is dead now, I think that was kind of a shock to a lot of community members, and, and they wanted a way to be involved. And so from the development angle, from our perspective, getting them involved was very important. Otherwise, it's wasted energy. And so that's why that became that foundation, is that you had people that wanted to do things they wanted to to sort of create change or to feel like they're having an impact and so you find ways for them to do that set up infrastructure for them to be able to do that that's a really nice way to put it so you're setting up the infrastructure to empower them to be the change agents they want for their communities that's awesome there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who will go Nobody has that kind of long-term perspective anymore. What, what made the difference here? Why have you been able to take that long view? And why have you been able to take that long view with so much support? There's always going to, to be the, those challenges. Key is that you know we do continue to tell people that this is a long-term strategy, and it is a long-term strategy. We don't need to necessarily justify the immediate return on investment or immediate impact of some of these efforts, which we view as setting a foundation for longer-term growth. For example, this year with the J.P. Morgan Chase study, they compared businesses in the same sectors, those that can participated in the campaign events and those that didn't, and showed a sales lift impact for the businesses that did contribute over those that didn't contribute during the same discrete periods in the same sectors that year. You know, they were comparing all of the transactional data that they have. And, I, um, and we should point out this is credit card transactional data that J.P. Morgan Chase happened to have access to, and they were looking for an opportunity to sort of try out seeing what they can do with exactly. it. Exactly. This is part of their what they've called the Technology for Social Good program, which was their effort to use their database of information. In this case, right, card transactions, millions of card transactions that happen within the region annually. And so figure out where are people shopping that come into the region, where are people going from our region to shop, and what products they're buying at what 
different stores in different sectors. So yeah, yeah it was an amazing data set. Amazing data set, and something that's not really possible to do, and only possible because J.P. Morgan, you know, kind of acknowledging our success in the buy local campaign, reached out to us and said, "We'd like to do this. How could we assist you with this analysis?" Mm. But you know, with that in mind, most communities, like I said, aren't able to understand those immediate impacts because there's a lot of more anecdotal stories, you know. That was the great thing about the J.P. Morgan Chase study is that we were able to compare the same same sectors and show that businesses who participated in the campaign had a sales lift above businesses who don't participate in the campaign. And that's an immediate sales lift. That's an immediate impact to that business mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously to tax revenue. The lift that we're talking about is not millions of dollars, obviously, in a small community. But what we're saying is it's, it's setting that foundation. And we're changing the mentality, as you said, changing the way people think about their purchasing. Doing that, what's the long-term payback on that? Well, it's huge, right? If a young person becomes more aware of local businesses because of the campaign and they start to change their buying patterns for life because of that awareness effort, what does that mean? Well, the payback is is decades long. Especially if you've managed to keep them in town to begin with. Especially if you, awesome. <laughs> if you keep them in town. So, And that's the symbiotic nature again. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to add that it's kind of similar to with energy efficiency today. We're still working with the University of Dayton on a program called Dropoly. And basically, it's a new software, gaming software, that allows individual residents to go in, create a model of their home very mm. easily, and identify, based on the energy data that they have through their electric bills or their gas bills, areas that they could save money. Whether it's uh, if they can change out their fridge or if it's uh, installing insulation, it'll tell them the return on investment, the payback time, and things like that. And so, you know, we've been very blessed with the opportunities to take advantage of technology um, and innovations that were sort of going on outside the community. And we've sort of seen a lot of that come to fruition. And I think a lot of it is because we laid the groundwork there from the beginning, making sure you're attracting those that are, have buy-in, that are advocates of it. And then you find that there are corporations like J.P. Morgan Chase or the University of Dayton, mm-hmm. uh, academic institutions that would like to experiment with things or would like to sort of try a pilot or test out a new initiative they're doing. And they find a community that has all the stuff in place it makes an ideal sort of location to begin rolling that out. Awesome. Yeah, and I'd say um, I'd encourage you know, anyone who wanted to look at some of the information on it. The Dropoly site is up and could be viewed. You know, it's dropoly.com, D-R-O-P-O-L-Y. And obviously our buy local site is buylocalcc.com. So CC for Clinton County, but exactly. it's buylocalcc.com. And yeah, that's absolutely, we, di- we didn't get much of an opportunity to dig into that in detail. But the fact that you guys have a specific website, I being in a different county, can go online, go to that site, make purchases from local businesses in Clinton County, yeah, and, and do it from the comfort of home. And yeah. be networked with all the other, other counties as well. So. Mm-hmm. If you definitely take a look at the site and look at the other counties, you know, this over the holiday season, we had a large promotion 
amongst the local businesses. And this year, again, we had 75 businesses participating, you know, which is for a small community, I think, you know, again, a continued success participating in the campaign. And we had adjacent counties now participating in it as well. So yeah. they're all getting around the idea of, of promoting that specific event, which highlights that environment. And if we can enrich the environment, set the foundation for future entrepreneurs to open a new business because they know there's going to be a captive audience of people who want to support local businesses. That's the foundation that we that we want to have. Awesome. Excellent, guys. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. The uh, guys are absolutely fantastic. Their energy is infectious and it's a lot of fun to get to just stick your toes occasionally into the whole variety of things that they've got going on in Clinton County and Wilmington. Just a couple of things I wanted to particularly draw your attention to. I think one of the reasons why this works so well, why people are so excited about it, and also why it's complicated is that Clinton County has taken a very holistic approach. Instead of defining economic development as recruitment or even as business retention, Clinton County has chosen to look at the entire ecosystem, a phrase that I've been using a lot lately, but the entire ecosystem of the local economy. What are all the pieces that play into giving us a vibrant and economically robust and economically resilient community. One of the interesting things in Clinton County is that you get a very conscious sense that they're not willing to let themselves be at the mercy of an 800-pound gorilla again. I thought one of the things that they did that was particularly fascinating, in addition to the creating a web portal to be able to buy directly from from people within that community in terms of the buy local campaign is the broadening definition of buy local. As Chris pointed out, obviously you're not going to make all your purchases within your own zip code. But if people can become more conscious and more conscientious about the impacts that their choices make in terms of how they choose to spend their money, how those choices to spend their money can impact other places, that starts to become pretty powerful. And I think that they are one of the few that I've seen so far that has really looked at the concentric circles of buy local. One of the other things that is so powerful about what Wilmington has done is that they actively sought out partnerships. Taylor talked about the initiative with the University of Dayton. For those of you that don't know the region, the University of Dayton is not nearby. The University of Dayton is probably a good hour's drive from Wilmington. But the people in Wilmington knew to reach out. They made the connections with the University of Dayton. They had shown enough initiative and enough of an interesting something there to get the University of Dayton's attention. And that has had a very powerful impact. So when we talk about assets, it's not strictly about what is physically within your community. It's really about where you fit within a broader network. What can you tap? What can you leverage? What can you draw upon from within a broader network? And finally, one of the things that I think is so powerful is the fundamental perspective that the Clinton County Regional Planning Commission and Energize Clinton County have taken here in thinking of themselves 
as change agents, not just people who have to make stuff happen, not just a development arm or a development agency, but in terms of being change makers for the community. So the ability to be a change agent, to take on that role and to take on that leadership within this context, I think has made an enormous difference and is continuing to make an enormous difference. I think that Wilmington in 10 years, in 20 years, is going to be a very different place than it is today. And I think that Chris and Taylor are going to have a heck of a lot to be proud of. So again, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this session. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to leave them on the SoundCloud site or on the blog at wiseeconomy.com. If you want to stay in touch and continue this conversation, you can reach us on Twitter at Della Rucker. You can reach us on Facebook or you can reach us via email at Della.Rucker at wiseeconomy.com. So thanks again. And as I always find myself saying, I think it's time for us to go get it done.